Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1, Episode 54. What do you get when you combine exposure to military life during your formative years, a successful career on Wall Street working with Michael Bloomberg, and a love for the life-or-death challenges that come with high-performance mountaineering? You get a unique perspective on how to achieve success in how you live, in how you love, and how you lead. You recognize that in challenging situations, like, for example, living through a pandemic, what you have been taught to do may be in direct conflict with what you need to do. You realize that successful leadership requires one key skill, and you rinse and repeat to build that skill so you bring success to you and the people in your life. Simply put, you get Chuck Garcia. Chuck is the former head of global marketing at Bloomberg and the industry leader in executive training with Fortune 500 companies. He is the founder of Climb Leadership International and coaches executives on leadership development, public speaking, and emotional intelligence. Chuck joins us today on the Counterfeit Sleep podcast as part of our ongoing effort to bring insights to executive leaders so they don't lose sleep as they continue to shoulder an unprecedented burden during these disruptive times. Our goal is to give executive leaders what they need to live, love, and lead with success, and we're delighted to welcome Chuck to this special episode on Executive Leader Insights. Listen and learn why adaptability is your key to leadership success in uncertain times. How to increase your visual impact in person and on Zoom using the primacy effect. And when to prioritize EQ, your emotional intelligence, over IQ, your intellectual intelligence. Let's listen in now to Climb Leadership International's founder, Chuck Garcia. Hello, Chuck, and welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Tara, thank you for having me. 
I've been really looking forward to our conversation, Chuck. I know as a, an executive leadership coach and the unique combination that you have of Wall Street background and your high performance mountaineering background. I mean, I think it's such an interesting intersection of things. And I think it's, now is the perfect time for a conversation uh, about what you really talk about, what you really focus on, because we're in disruptive times, as everybody knows, and the leadership challenges are mounting. And the the energy that leaders need, you know, that physical energy, that mental, emotional, all of that energy to really be able to lead effectively is being um, drained, I think, like in no other time. So I uh, I'm really, as I said, excited to talk with you to really see what you're seeing, what you're hearing um, as top challenges for executive leaders. And then, of course, to get into your insights, given your unique background. And then if we can wind up with a couple of kind of innovative strategies that leaders can use to lead with impact through these disruptive times. That's really what I would love to get into. So can we really start with that idea of what, we're, what you're seeing and hearing? Yeah. I, I think when we r- reflect on this period in history, we can say it hit us by surprise. We didn't see it coming. We didn't know how long it would take. But without question, it tests the limits of our own capacities because none of us ever evolved or were taught how to deal with this kind of disruption. We're taught in school all about disruption, but this is the disruption we didn't expect, nor did we learn to deal with. Mm -hmm. So yet, when I say that, what I'm blessed to do, whether we look at the world being in COVID or what happens after COVID, what I am seeing is not that different as it relates to leadership competencies with one exception. I think the biggest exception that I see what's happening in this day and age is it has introduced a level of stress that we were never taught to deal with. Mm -hmm. Because many people, when it comes to stress, it's time management, and you hear all the blah, 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 the same kind of thing that I'm not minimizing or diminishing the importance of those other things. But if nothing else we have learned as it relates to a leadership competency, is the need to be adaptable. And I say that because many people who develop their own mindsets through the years, it tends to be binary. You either have a fixed mindset, and this is the way the world operates, and by golly, this is the way I'm going to operate come hell or high water, or you have an open mindset where you recognize all these things are happening, and it's the Darwinian Change is the critical component. The, the, the being smart is not necessarily the one with the highest IQ. It's the one who is most adaptable to change. And I think, Tara, what, when I look at this time in history, that is what is teased out of this. Many of the other competencies that are required of great leaders prior to COVID and even going back to the days of Martin Luther King and JFK and even going to Abe Lincoln, I don't want to say they're the same or they're different, but we know what that is. But this adaptability factor, Tara, has caused an enormous stress and anxiety in the career climbers with fixed mindsets. So what I'm describing is the worst case scenario, the need to be adaptable, yet not the conditioning in the mind to actually adapt 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. I love how you say career climbers because that's a perfect metaphor. I mean, people who are looking to advance it, we talk about climbing that ladder. Uh, so, so I love that metaphor. And as you say, if you do have that fixed mindset and then all of a sudden you have these unprecedented levels of change and unending changes really, uh, you are going to be really hampered by by that sort of thinking. Um, so, how, how are you seeing? Do you, uh, how are you seeing that play out? First, I, I think it's important to understand our business model or the things that we do are under enormous stress that we didn't condition or learn how to react. What do we do with it? In particular, I think the most concrete example that I can find in, and I'm going to do this in a very personal way. I work with a lot of leaders, mostly Wall Streeters, who lead a lot of other people. And leadership comes in two forms. Either you are told this is your leader and you comply. Okay, that's good. And I will do whatever that leader asks me to do. Or you are the kind of leader that others choose to follow, in which case it's not compliance at all. You begin to model and mirror the behaviors of that person you look up to because you are so in admiration of that individual. What is happening now in this day and age of COVID is the leaders who are more adaptable and empathetic. And I say that, and I want to stress those two things because they're both important. We have been under an enormous stress and anxiety. When, when people come to work, they bring their whole selves. And whether they mask the things that are causing anxiety or they, they wear it on their sleeve, what leaders are contending with now is a level of anxiety and stress that is different. I don't want to say it's more or less than what they saw pre-COVID, but definitely there's a different consideration for what people carry with them each day because we are consumed with the COVID test, testing negative. Are you double vaxxed? Are you boosted? This is the conversation we're talking about. We never talked about these things two years ago. But that doesn't mean that it was any less stressful. It's just a different kind of stress. But here's, Tara, where, 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 what I'm emphasizing here is the need to be both adaptable and empathetic. Let me also put into perspective one thing that supports this, and I think this is for our audience to recognize what the market values in this day and age that speaks to this topic what we know, Tara, in our world is the majority of people that we work with, and I bet everybody listening here has a LinkedIn account. Yeah. <laughs> and in LinkedIn, as, as gigantic and as successful as that network has become for you and I to be able to connect and collaborate through this wonderful network, it's also an incredible pool of talent. And the employers recognize I'm going to find a whole lot of talent inside LinkedIn. And as a result of all of the data that they've accumulated over the years, every year they publish two, to me, are pretty important lists. Real simple. Mm -hmm. One of them is what are the top 10 hard skills that are most in demand by employers these days? But here is the most interesting list, Tara, and I think it speaks volumes to what we're talking about today. And that's called the top 10 soft skill list. These are the characteristics, which in fact are leadership competencies that appear on this list year in and year out. And I want to cite for our listeners what those top five are, mm -hmm. because it not only speaks to the future of what I recommend for skill development, it's a really good expression as human beings where we are in the evolution of leadership. And the answer may surprise you. 
Number one is creativity. Who's teaching creativity? We think it's only the artists, not at all. Number two, and it's right out of How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie's book that is my Bible. Number two is persuasion. Imagine that, (laughs) the need to be persuasive. It's at the job interview, hire me. It's on display and we don't think of it that way. Number three is an interesting one. It's collaboration. What's most compelling The employers are actually saying you need to be a good collaborator. It can no longer be assumed Mm -hmm. because if you have a fixed mindset and you're brilliant and you have a high IQ and you scored better than anyone on the cram exam and regurgitate and you can't work with people, good luck with that. (laughs) Yes, yes, especially with so much emphasis on team. I mean, everybody uses the word team now. Right. You've got to know how to play for sure. Number four, adaptability. Imagine that. The soft skill list is adaptability. I ask my students all the time, who took a course in adaptability when you were in elementary school? What are you talking about? Now here's number five, emotional intelligence. It's like, Mm. oh, praise the Lord. It finally made it to the top five. Yeah, I'm surprised surprised it's only at number five actually. And who knows, maybe with what we're going through now, we'll see that come, you know, get a higher placing on the list. Well, I'm no better at predictions than anyone looking at a crystal ball, but <laughs> if I had to bet the farm, I'm going to bet I am, I'm going to be optimistic that it might make it to number four, but adaptability has to push up I agree. Just, just because of COVID and EQ and, and what I know for the leaders. And I work mostly for financial institutions because my, because my wall street pedigree, when I teach public speaking, and emotional intelligence, and executive presence, what I'm really hoping people will be is adaptable to the methods that help them learn how to do these things well. And one who is the top of their class is the best memorizer, but is not a good collaborator, is not open-minded. That's unfortunately a path to career failure. But the reason I say that is because if you consider the top five LinkedIn soft skills, It is so unconventional to the way that we raise and teach our children. And unfortunately, I think what I love about this podcast is you have a theme that really touches me because of the way I grew up and the importance of sleep and rest. And yet everything we've discussed so far into this interview, Tara, is nothing that's made its way into the conventional educational model. And it makes no sense. Right, right. Yeah, it's very interesting. The like you said, it, it is. It's what we know. It's almost like what we come to realize later, and we say, "Well, we've spent eighteen years of, you know, p- formal uh, mandatory education, not contributing to towards these ends that we know." We, we really need these kids to have to be the leaders that we want them to be. And so then what do we end up doing? We hire somebody because they have, a, you know, a, a certain, not even a skill set really, because you can train anybody in anything, but you're looking right. for certain qualities. But if we could much earlier on develop these sort of qualities in kids, we'd, we'd have such a, a richer pool of you know, certainly for the workplace, a richer pool of candidates, but just a, a richer humanity. When many people emerge, they think of their lives as being two parts of a whole. I have my career and I have my personal life. 
those days are gone. Everything is mush and melded and we're at home and we're working. And if we actually go to an office, there's going to be personal calls and other things we have to do. But I, I stress this and, and I am so passionate about what I'm describing here because the characteristics that I'm describing that appear on LinkedIn are actually traits of a good human being. Yes. Uh, right? It's not just, hey, do this, learn this, and you career climb. Particularly when I teach public speaking, I teach a framework for how to communicate, how to do it more powerfully, and how to do it in a way that connects with others. And when I say that, and people recognize the importance of those communication skills for career growth, the best benefit I have in my coaching practice is when people come back and say, it improved my marriage because I communicate better with my spouse. I'm more empathetic to my children. I recognize how to respond to them in ways that are more empathetic than I originally thought. And I do this to train people to step on a stage. But when you consider the added benefits of what happens when they're off camera, and they're at home in the confines of their family. Oh my God, you mean it makes me better in my personal life? That gets at what I uh, was alluding to in the beginning, how we, we both really talk about this energy piece in, in our work. And that underscores it right there, right? Because we think, all right, we have energy. We're going to go to work. We're going to do the best that we can. But if you do that, like a, say your typical type A personality, if you do that, you burn up all your energy at work and you come home and family life, your, your marriage, all those things fall aside. Well, that does definitely have um, implications for you at work. You may not realize it as readily, but the less you show up as in, in any situation, the more it impacts you overall as a human. So I, I am fully on board with looking at things like that, looking at taking this comprehensive view and really looking at the energy of each piece. Again, the physical energy, the emotional energy, the, the mental energy, all of those things, if we can maximize that energy level and bring that into the way we perform in all those arenas, we do much better in all of those arenas uh, for sure. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. And, and I completely agree with you. And if I had my way, Tara, perhaps that would be number six on the LinkedIn top. <laughs> but but. Here, here's, here's our challenge. We're not teaching our children or even at the executive level to do that. What we teach is teaching tends to be a very, or coaching, it tends to be very active. Give them more, give them something to do, layer it on. We actually teach leaders to do things. Here's the most interesting part about my leadership practice. Half of the time of the leaders I coach, I'm actually coaching them to stop doing something. How can that be? How can you teach people to stop doing something? Isn't the educational model founded on the ability to fill the mind? What I have to do is empty the mind, clear the mind. And what you're describing is having a different mindset for how to do the top five LinkedIn soft skills. And you are talking about a higher order of balance. And with that balance comes a leader that is trying to avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. 
So what are we doing? We're actually stopping them on this freight train that they're going 100 miles an hour because, hey, I can handle it. I'm a superman, a superwoman. I can manage my kids. I can manage my career. I've got a, a, a marriage. I'm going to make it all work until it all comes until crashing it does <laughs> Agreed. So I think we're kindred spirits in that what we're trying to do is get people to slow the train down. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the train. Get off. Go read a novel. Go have a picnic. Go throw the stick to your dog and stop being addicted to this thing called success and try to rest. Yeah. Clear the mind. Let the body heal. Only then can we come back for another day to show our most powerful self. Agreed, agreed. And I even, um, you know, I do the same thing with my clients too, of, of trying to take away um, habits that they've acquired that are then impacting their sleep, you know, and it's, it's all sort of on a, a, a hidden level, things that you wouldn't necessarily realize are impacting your sleep, but it's the same thing. And once it, it's, it's, maybe you see the same thing but you can almost see once you point something out to that person like sort of you know get it on their radar and they sort of realize how much something is impacting them you can almost see a physical relaxation you know within like oh like where it, it is okay to you know be settled you know <laughs> all these kinds of things you don't have to be as you said like on that freight train just barreling along all the time i agree there, there's so, there's one other extension that I, that I think is sometimes taken for granted, but I think it bears discussion. We are on camera all the time, which means in the first few seconds of the discussion that you have, whether it's in the meeting room, boardroom, classroom, or on camera, you are forming a first impression before you've even spoken. And in body language, we call that the body speaks before the mouth opens. Mm -hmm. And what happens for many people who are not rested they're exhausted. You can only hide behind so much coffee all day. Sooner or later, people are going to start to perceive you in a vocabulary of personal judgment. He, she looks exhausted. Who wants to follow someone who doesn't have any energy left? God, his eyes, they look so tired. Wow, he looks worn out. This is what people talk about in leaders when they're at the bar or at dinner. They're not talking about, God, you're a really good banker because yeah, there's a lot of good bankers. Right, or you're a good right. teacher. They're talking about the personal characteristics that make you unique. We hope that people are not talking about you in any negative way that is driven by the impressions that form in their mind from what they see mm -hmm. before they conclude what they hear. And there's a sequence. We tend to consider what we see and we believe most of what we see. We don't believe most of what we hear. So why is that important? It's the visual element that you come in rested, your eyes are clear, your head is clear. All of that is the clarity because when you speak, if your mind is cluttered or you're tired, you start to make mistakes. And that's where the, your concept of sleep and rest becomes the weapon. Yeah, yeah. And, and absolutely, um, you know, what, what's interesting, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with my story, but I used to get eight hours of sleep every night, and I woke up and I felt great, right? So how on earth could I have a sleep problem? But right. like, what I didn't realize was that, you know, the fact that I needed to take a nap every day, you know, 
around noon, right after lunch or something, 20 minute power nap, I'd feel great. I never realized that that was actually a sign that I was getting a form of counterfeit sleep. And so there are a lot of people that are petering out. Somebody, you know, if it gets more extreme, somebody who's nodding out uh, during a meeting, imagine, I mean, that's the worst thing that you can do. (laughs) Not good. All of those things. So, you know, it's like, let's take a step farther. And and once you are making sure that you get enough sleep, let's make sure that it is indeed high performance sleep so that you are truly energized, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And what's funny about what you just mentioned about that first impression, I just last night watched a video of a new speaker um, in the health realm. And his topic was really interesting, but do you know what I noticed the most as he was talking? The dark circles under his eyes. And of course that activates you know, the, the sleep strategist in me. And so I, I'm doing what we call facial profiling and looking at him saying, this guy is absolutely going to be dealing with some level of counterfeit sleep. So completely took me away from taking in his content <laughs> Because it activated my, you know, my content in my mind. The people that I train that step on stage, what I say is what's going to happen in the first 250 milliseconds, people are going to start to form those impressions because this is what they see. You just supported that by watching the speaker. We didn't talk about his content. I have no idea what he said, but the impression that you planted in my mind, it's called the primacy effect. This is the first thing I heard about him. He's got rings under his eyes. He's going to burn out. I don't want to follow people that are going to burn out. I want to follow people that are energized. Absolutely. Right. That energy is so attractive. If we could get them to the point of valuing sleep, (laughs) then we could give them a chance at night, every night to recharge their batteries and keep that, you know, emotional intelligence at at its prime, uh, you know, regardless of the, the situation at hand. Well, what, what I mentioned to you, Tara, when we were prepping for the call for our listeners, I had the good fortune of growing up on a military reservation. I grew up in West Point. My dad was a professor at the United States Military Academy. He was a civilian, but I was surrounded by soldiers my whole life. And I, I, I took a lot away from what I learned in the Army. And, and these were soldiers going onto the battlefield. And they learned all of the technical skills, how to carry a rifle, how to shoot it, how to recognize the enemy. All of that is important to be a good soldier. But the biggest takeaway I received in my life of growing up in the military was about the power of rest. But there's a big implication. No soldier wants to work with another soldier who is not at full capacity because it risks their lives. And while that metaphor may not apply to those of us that walk into this beautiful uh, boardroom with bagels and coffee and all of that, the reality is how we conceive or how we consider the people that we want to partner with is very similar. Are they rested? rest. And that's what I learned. It's a weapon. It's not just the rifles and the bazookas. It's your mental and your physical state of what happens when you're on the battlefield to understand, are you at full capacity and can I lend you my support? And I think that that lesson to me, Tara, really helped me. And I hope I inspire the people in my world to understand Giving you advice to work harder is the stupidest advice I could ever give. And it Mm -hmm. pains me when I hear parents say it to their children. Mm -hmm. It's not actionable, it's not measurable, and it's not specific. But telling people, you know what? Why don't you back up, get some sleep, clear your mind, 
come back rested. You will do better on your exam or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. So for you to host a podcast on the importance of rest as a weapon, I salute you using the military (laughs) metaphor. And I think it's wonderful because so many people are going to hear what we say and dismiss it. That's ridiculous. I need to learn how to do the formulas and everything else. I, I think we're taking a contrary approach to the things that make it's important to understand the balance in your lives and rest is a critical component of that. I agree. I agree. If we can get away from that mantra of, you know, I, I don't have time to sleep. Right. If I, right. we can move the needle on that at all, I would be a happy camper because um, sleep is really the, the necessary thing. I talk about the energy piece using the cell phone. You know, I think we can all agree that a a, a cell phone with a fully charged battery is going to outperform a cell phone that is in low power mode, right? And sleep is what puts us into that fully charged mode, as long as it's not counterfeit sleep, right? Right. Um, but I would say, you know, work on getting that sleep hygiene down, get, get, make sure you're getting enough sleep. And if you're still not performing at your highest level consistently, and it's time to look at your sleep performance and, and figure out what's going on after you fall asleep uh, to make sure that it is indeed getting you the, um, the type of sleep that you need to run at that highest level. Wow, so wonderful, wonderful thoughts there, Chuck. I appreciate it. As we close out, I'd like to ask you two questions. Um, the first one is, Given everything that you know, especially you know your Wall Street background, your uh, climbing background, um, the, the, the military element that you just described, the exposure, uh, what would you put on a billboard? What message do you think would really be important to get out there? And again, knowing with a billboard, it's a relatively small piece of real estate and people go by pretty quickly. So what would you put, Chuck? If, if the billboard were gigantic, I would put something else, but I, I recognize uh, the, the importance of this. What I would put on the billboard is I would put a few words at the top. I put a little pause in between for very quick reflection at the bottom. And what I would put on the billboard is IQ gets you hired. The billboard would have a pause for dramatic effect and some space. And then the punchline, EQ gets you promoted. True. You know, and it makes me think too, uh, when you do have that, that EQ in place, that's where you, ha- where, you, where you have all of those relationships that are much more positive. That's where you've got good, like a, a team sort of mentality going on. And then that's where you get the benefit of the synergy. So last question, and this one's an easier one. Um, as no, long as you can fit it on a billboard, no, just kidding. Uh, where would people connect with you and where would they find, find your book uh, to climb to the top? Yeah, well, it's real easy. If you remember my name, my name, my name is Chuck Garcia. So if you're only listening, you don't have a, a, video, a view into this, just remember chuckgarcia.com. And on my book, I describe my coaching practice, but also my book is called A Climb to the Top. And I'm a mountaineer and I'm blessed for every mountain lesson I've had. But I use mountaineering as a metaphor for how we climb careers. The difference is when I'm in a mountain, what's in my backpack is a whole lot of water, crampons, ice axe, and all the tools necessary to climb. My book, A Climb to the Top, there's a different set of tools in the pack. And they are communication tools that I call the 10 Commandments of Great Communicators. Mm -hmm. And these 10 commandments are what I learned the hard way when I became a public spokesman at Bloomberg. 
I had no idea what I was doing. I can admit that now because it was years ago. I had to learn what's going to be in the backpack and how do I sharpen my tools? And that's what the book does. Well, beautiful. I love the fact too, that you say uh, it was something you had to learn because obviously you have mastered that lesson. And so (laughs) that to me is, it gives everybody a chance to say, regardless of where I am right now on that, you know, that EQ continuum, I can definitely climb to the top, um, you know, or at least make some nice gains. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate you sharing your insights here with us today on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. And Tara, it was my pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and your audience. It was wonderful to collaborate. Thank you. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at Hypersleep. Dot com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.